Today, I get to tell you about a cool journey the three of us have been on. It's probably a story you've heard before, but not in this way. A story of celebration and tradition. We had the honorable opportunity to ride along with kings. It was so cool. We were just simple travel mates who we didn't require much. So the kings didn't mind us too much. <laughs> These guys were on a special trip, and from what we could gather, uh, ancient prophecy that was given to their people a long time ago. It was about a star or something. And when they would see it shining in the sky, they knew a king had been born. But we're not actually sure. <laughs> Our awkwardness was getting... So we, had to, we decided to... It, it was awkward for you. Personally, I thought it was a good thing for us to know where we were going. Okay, they were kings. How bad have actually gone? Well, that's what Eve said in the garden, and that didn't seem to work out too well for her, now did it? Why can't we tell them about all the beauty on the journey we experienced? Really? Just take it all in. The colors, the smells, the hills. Come on, what's not to love? Yeah, okay. Let's just tell you about it. Guys, this is like the coolest story ever. It's even better than that one about that little guy that killed that big guy with some stones and a slingshot. You remember that one, right? Was I in that story? No! Okay, okay, ladies. I just feel like it's a story that I would be in. Just like... See, there's this story. So these kings talked to some other kings about another king being born and... And this king noticed that that other king was not happy at all. We get it. Shine bright like a diamond. Or like a dull one, you know, depending on your point of view. <laughs> well, thank you. But, but anyway, he was not happy at all. And from what we could notice... It was really important for these men to figure out what they were looking for. Once we arrived in the city, we didn't stay long, but the time that we did spend there made a big impact on the journey ahead. It was so weird, like almost crazy. Like so crazy, like you don't even understand, like re really crazy, like even wild. Wild? Really? Just wild, just think about it. In world scene of unseen, where stars are like beams and kings are traveling the sea. It's unknown what would happen when the baby's mom was beckoned to thee. Would she scream? Would she fight? Would she jump in the joy of knowing thee? What are you doing? Well, I'm telling these lovely people what happened when they found the baby and his mom. That is not how I remember it. I remember knowing something big was going on when we arrived. Yeah, that's a bit more realistic of what happened. Just kill the guy's dreams, why don't you? The most fascinating thing that I saw when we were there was when we arrived, the kings, without any hesitation, immediately knelt in reverence. And honor. Adoration of what was come for the entire world to see. After they were done, they came back to the camels to come get us. They picked us up and laid us right in front of the king. Yeah, well, he had no idea what was happening at the time or what they needed of us. But we were soon to find out. And then there was like this big thing that guided them. What was it? Oh, it, they were. They, they were guided by this bright object in the sky. I think they watched it as a star. It was so weird. It was like a spotlight. 
And it was unusual to what these men had seen. I know they call it start, but it wasn't normal. It was guiding them straight to where they needed to go. Unusual is right. That star had been there for a while, but they knew it would stay there until they arrived. But not long into Bethlehem, they found him. Everyone knew we were in town. We're and not hard to miss. So when we got to Bethlehem, we began our search for him. But not long, they found him and they enjoyed him. <laughs> we began this journey not really knowing who we were. But by the end, we got it. We did. We got that. We were just simple things that became significantly valuable once sat in the presence of a king, the king. And when we were presented before him, we realized the part we are to play and who we are and what we're meant for. My name is Frankincense. Worship is my offering. Incense is my value. And his divine nature is my duty. My name is Myrrh. Anointing oil is my value. Fragrance oil is my offering. And his sacrifice is my duty. And my name is Gold. Nobleness is my value. Grace is my offering and kingship is my duty.
One of the challenges that people face quite often, particularly if they're invited to the christening of a child or the dedication of a baby or a baby shower is what do we buy to bring as a gift? Most often in our culture, we think of gifts being very practical. So we buy diapers, car seats, playpens, wipes, things that can be used while the child is small. I was recently told a story when I was in England of a man who came to a baby shower, literally the christening of a child, and he had a box that was wrapped. And the mother opened the box, and when she opened the box, inside was a very worn and tattered leather bound book and she thought why did you bring me a leather bound book that looks like it should be in a museum for my baby he said open it she opened the front covers and on the front covers it was a it was a signed copy was written in a language that he didn't even understand that was signed by William Shakespeare. And he said, I brought your baby this gift because as I was praying for your family, the Lord said to me that your son would grow up to be a writer. Little did that mom know that 23 years later, that boy would graduate from Oxford and go on to become a very recognized writer today in middle age. And that gift that morning was not seemingly practical, but it was very prophetic. Gold, frankincense, myrrh, if we look at it from our context, we'd think it's not practical. But the truth of the matter is, is that when Jesus was born, during the time in which he came into the world in first century Rome, the rate of infant mortality was 30%. One out of every three babies died at birth. Another 25% died before they were 10 years old because of disease. So almost 50% of the population never made it to 10, 10, 10 years of age. The men that visited Jesus that day, we commonly call them wise men. The Bible refers to them both as wise men and magi. They probably were not kings in the way that we think of kings. They didn't necessarily rule over nations. But their wisdom gave them, gave them privilege, gave them position, gave them entrance into people who did make decisions. Because they spent their life primarily studying astrology, biology, and the different medicines and medicinal purposes of herbs, and minerals. 
And so when these men showed up to bring a baby, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they were being very practical in the sense that all three of those were used to present, prevent disease and to enable children to live beyond the rate of infant mortality. But they also understood something. They were not looking for an ordinary baby. And by divine design, they brought gifts that were not only practical, but they were prophetic. And I want to take a few minutes and talk about the story behind the story of what does these gifts mean? Were they random? Did they just pick three things to bring? Or were they very specific about something that would be a part of Jesus' life that still talks to us today? Was those gifts just meant to be a time to engage him in his young childhood? Or were they meant to talk to us this morning? I want to say I believe they're still able to talk to us today. Father, thank you today for the privilege of being able to communicate. And I pray over these next few minutes that you'll saturate this room with a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That you'll cause people to come to know the power of who is this child. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. Who is this child that draws the attention of wise men? There's a couple of things that probably ought to be understood very, very clearly. That these men were not called wise men simply because of their intellect. How many of you recognize today there's a lot of people that have matriculated to higher education but don't have any wisdom? I heard recently, and it's, it's worth uh, repeating, I mean, you know, common sense is not that common. So when you recognize that what was happening in these men's lives was not that they were just so intellectually beyond anybody else, but it's that they had been moved upon by a level of wisdom that can only come from God above. The Bible declares in Proverbs chapter 9, verse number 11, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That if we are going to be wise people in our generation, it begins with the fear of the Lord. These men made a journey that uh, we'll talk about it in just a moment, but literally took them over two years to get there. They didn't arrive at the manger. That's something that we've sort of built into our own uh, nativity scenes that is not a part of the narrative of Scripture but here's a couple of things. What makes somebody wise? If you've got a piece of paper or your phone, you may want to jot this down quickly because this is a very practical aspect as to what makes wise people. The first thing that made these men wise is that they were guided by supernatural power. In other words, they got to where they needed to go by learning to look up. Had they not been willing to look up, they'd have never got to the location that they were supposed to be to. I want to suggest to you today, ladies and gentlemen, that so, some folks in this room and folks that are listening to my voice today lack wisdom not because they don't have information, but because they continue to look around rather than looking up. 
Sometimes there are there lacks curiosity in our own lives that cause us to do what the Bible says, lift up your eyes. When you realize that the things that are around you are not the things necessary to produce the life that you desire, then you begin to realize that horizontal environments cannot provide the the vision and the wisdom that I need for my life. If I'm truly going to be one of the wise men of my generation, I got to learn to do this. I got to learn to look up. I came to talk to somebody in the room today. You may feel like you're overwhelmed and you don't know what to do. Here's what David said. He said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that's higher than I am. Teach me how to lift up mine eyes beyond the hills from which cometh my help because my help comes from the Lord. How many of you know today when nobody else has an answer, there is an answer for you. It's not around you. It's above you. Hallelujah. When you lift up your eyes, watch this, you begin to understand the uniqueness of what God wants to do in your life that may not be like anybody else's life. One of the things that bothers me in our culture is that people begin to want to make you believe that we have been mass produced. I ain't got no help. I'm going to preach over here. I tend to believe with all of my heart, and somebody needs to say it, I didn't come off of an assembly line. I may share the fact that I got two legs, two arms, two eyes, two ears, a nose, and a mouth like you do, but how many of you know you are unique in your own personhood? When God made you, he didn't make you like the person sitting next to you. He made you with your own identity. You have your own fingerprint. You have your own voice recognition. You have your own retina scan because there's something unique about you. And there's nothing worse than somebody who God makes unique and they keep trying to be a copy. Wisdom is lacking in people's lives when you spend your whole life, instead of looking to the manufacturer himself, you keep looking down the assembly line to see if I can be like the Joneses and the Smiths and the people living down the street. I come to talk to somebody today. This Christmas, would you please give up your striving to be like somebody you think is important and recognize that you have value because you were fearfully and wonderfully made in the presence of God. Have I got any help in the room? It's your uniqueness that makes you valuable. How many of you know you don't pay near as much for Ford Taurus as you do a Lamborghini? I mean, if you know, there's not near as many Lamborghinis on the road. Why? Because they're handmade and they're each made with a uniqueness of a design that makes it rare. You've been wasting your uniqueness rather than looking up trying to figure out who you're supposed to be. You've been looking around trying to figure out who you can copy. Wise men learned to look up. They followed a star. I'm going to try that one more time. They, they followed a star. See, the problem is in our error, we are following the wrong stars. I don't really care what Bubba says in Hollywood, and I don't care what Brother Football Player says. They are not the stars I'm following. 
because I recognize there is a higher GPS that wants to direct my life. If I got anybody in the room know what I'm talking about, I, I may never reach that stage, but I will reach the stage in life that I was meant to reach if I look up to the heavens and say, God, not my will, but your will. Let your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. For the steps of a righteous man will be ordered by the Lord. If I got any righteous people in the room, you need to recognize you're going to get to where you're supposed to be. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm going to be a wise man this year. Come on, just tell him. I'm trying to hurry. Listen, how many of you know wise men not only are guided, but wise men are governed? And they're governed by worship. Notice what they did. The Bible says that when they got there, they found, watch the terms, they found the young child. Jesus was no longer a baby. He was a toddler. But these men of great reputation fell on their face. The Bible says they were undone. They were overwhelmed. And they fell and began to worship. True wise people don't congratulate themselves when they find what they were looking for. They don't say, hey, praise the Lord, I finally got there. I finally arrived in the neighborhood I wanted to be. I finally arrived at the job I wanted to be at. I finally arrived at the status. They didn't congratulate themselves. They recognized if I got to where I was supposed to be, I got here because the God of heaven has supplied me with everything I need. And watch this. Their success did not lead them to arrogance. It led them to worship. You didn't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. The only problem with self-made people is they live in a very small world. Hmm? So these wise men, when they got there, here's what they did. They fell on their face and began to worship. You want to be wise this year? Learn to be a worshiper. Watch this. They left home, hold on to your seat, they left home looking for a king and found a child. I wish I had two hours. Because I wonder how many people left an altar looking for something and when they found it, it didn't look like what they imagined it to be. Because if you can't see the king and the child, you'll never be a worshiper of the king when he's grown you got to be able to see the fulfillment of the promise when it's in its infancy. you got to be able to stand up in your living room when nobody is calling your name and say, I know who I am and I know what I've been called to. And it may be a child at this moment, but I'm worshiping because this child is born to be a king. Hallelujah. 
When you realize that God gives you something, its infancy is not its final stage. It will be brought into maturity. But I'm looking for somebody in the building today who says, I will praise him and I will worship him at the beginning of something just as much as I will at the end of something. Because my life is not governed by success. My life is governed by worship. I'm a worshiper when I got nothing and I'm a worshiper when I have it all because I recognize when I'm looking for a king I may find a child but in that child is the hope of my life because Isaiah had prophesied they were not a part of the covenant of Israel but Isaiah had prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9 verse number 6 for unto you a child is born, and unto you a son is given. Listen to me closely. A child was born, but a son was given. A son wasn't born because the son existed before the birth Jesus did not start existing the moment he came at Bethlehem John says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God Everything you see created in this world was created through him and by him. He existed before the world did. So he was always a son, but he wasn't always a child. For a child had to be born and a son had to be given. Am I doing okay? He was governed. Those wise men were governed by worship. The Bible says when they saw him, they were ecstatically joyful. Look at your neighbor and say, get happy today. Come on, just tell them, get happy today. You say, well, there ain't nothing under my tree. Get happy. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to hurry. I'm trying my best to hurry. But I'm telling you, there doesn't need to be any depression in your life this year. I don't care if nobody shows up at your house or nobody comes down the chimney. If you got Jesus, I've got joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. He's the source of my, a new suit coat can't buy me what Jesus has already paid for me to have. And when they found him, they were ecstatic with joy. I, I, I wonder if anybody in the building can just act happy for about 15 seconds. Just, just act foolishly happy like you just can't stand it. Woo. They were guided supernaturally. They were governed by worship. And they were moved to generosity. If your worship 
never takes you to an open treasure box. Then your worship has been pointed in the wrong direction. I teach this when I'm talking to leaders. You spell relationship T-I-M-E. I'm not sure everybody over there went to school. Let me try it over here. You spell, you spell relationship. T-I-M-E. You can't really have a relationship. You can't say that you have devotion towards somebody, affection. And you don't spend any T-I-M-E. But you also spell it M-O-N-E-Y. I'd have a hard time convincing this lady right here that she was the devoted woman of my life. All of my affection as a spouse was towards her. And I never opened my treasure box. I'm helping some wives right now. I ought to be having some, I ought to be having a whole lot of high-pitched amens. Because that tight wad of a husband that's sitting next to you right now is getting under incredible conviction. He's squirming. His hind parts are drawing up really tight. But I'm telling you, if there is, if there's any love at all, there's going to sometime be some M-O-N-E-Y. You're going to open the treasure box of your life. Somebody going to get blessed today. I can see 14 men going, I better go shopping when this is over. Because your treasure box has in it your time, your talents, and your treasures. The most valuable thing you possess is your time. It's the one thing everybody has the same amount of. And nobody can recover. If you don't believe time moves on, look in the mirror. I had a Facebook picture come up the other day. I said, I don't even know. I had hair. The most incredible thing I can give away is my time. When people say to me, well, I don't have as much time as they do, I say, no, 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 no. Yes, yeah, yeah, we all got the same amount of time. You may not schedule and prioritize yours as much as other people. But time is a gift. Every day is a gift. 
past is gone. The future is not here yet. That's why they call today the present. Because the only thing you can give somebody is give them the moment that you're living in. See, I spent part of my life promising the future. And then when the future got here, it was busier than the day I promised it. Am I doing okay? You say, what's this got to do with wise men? I'm trying to teach us how to be wise. Because the Bible says when they worshiped, once, the, listen, they didn't open their treasure box before they worshiped. Because if you give your treasure to somebody that can't have your heart, you'll waste your treasure. That's the problem now. People have given away their treasure to people that wasn't qualified for their devotion. And then when they walked out the door and hurt you, you wanted to get mad because you gave them your treasure. But when you recognize, I first give my treasure because if they're not worthy of my devotion, they're not worthy of my treasure. I need to learn how to lock up my treasures till I find out whether they're worthy of my devotion. Because if I can't give them my devotion, I'm going to keep my treasure box locked up. But there are people that come to God and want to be the greatest worshipers. But yet they never open their treasure box. God, I love you. I run around the building when I worship. I dance in the aisles. I shout when you preach. Praise the Lord. Where's your treasure box? When the Lord has need of you, you ain't got time. When your talent needs to be used, you keep it locked up. You don't even want me to go to the other one. I know I can tell already you're like prepared. You got your shield of... It's not your shield of faith. It's your shield of resistance up. Don't talk about that money deal. Do you know what? I'm going to say it because I love you. Your hallelujah is cheap. When your pocketbook is locked up. Because wise people guided supernaturally their life is governed by their worship and they're moved to generosity so what did these three gifts mean why gold frankincense and myrrh I'm closing up listen they gave him gold because he was born to be a king. Do you know how many times in the New Testament Jesus was continually recognized as a king? Not just by Israel, but by Gentiles, 
and even by the leaders of Rome. At his birth, people from the Far East, most people believe they came at least as far away as Babylon, which would today would be Iraq, maybe as far away as the far end of Iran. They journeyed for two years walking, and when they got to town, here's what they said. We have come to find him who is born king of the Jews. On Palm Sunday, we celebrate the fact that Jesus came into the city, a man who had no army, no legislators, no commerce, no corporate entity. He rode on a borrowed ass and they hailed him with palm branches. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes. For your king, the prophet said, will come riding to you on a beast of burden and you'll declare him as the Messiah. Even Gentiles lined the streets to say he's a king. When he stood in front of Pilate in the judgment hall, Pilate said to him, Are you a king? Are you a king? And Jesus said back to him, It is as you say. You the big boss here. And you're the one who's recognizing me as a king. And when they killed him, hung him on a cross, they wrote and stuck it to the top of his cross, Jesus, King of the Jews. Three days later, he got up. And the Bible declares that because he got up, God has now given him a name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, everything in heaven, everything in earth, and everything under the earth has to bow. Why? Because he is king of all kings, and he's Lord of all lords. You say there are kings in the earth. There might be kings, but there's a king of kings. And there may even be some lords, but there's the Lord of lords. And even at his birth, it was prophetically understood he was coming to be a king. Listen, if he's worthy of gold, how many of you know he's worthy of your life? Frankincense. Frankincense was used from the time of the Exodus. It was very aromatic. It was used in every form of worship. In fact, in the tabernacle of Moses and in the temple, there was an altar of incense that before any of the priests would enter into the presence of God, they would take 
frankincense that had been made. It was used for incense. It would be made and they would throw it on the fire and an aroma would fill the room. Watch this. He not only was coming to be king, he was coming to be a priest. But I want you to get this. Don't miss this. I'm almost finished. Listen, don't miss this. There's three parts of worship. Every time worship takes place, there's three things that are included in worship. One, or how many of you know worship is a sacrifice? So here's the three things that are involved in worship. Watch this. Worship always involves the thing that's being offered. The thing that's being offered. Right? So when I lift up my hands, how many of you know I'm lifting up my hands? The Bible says that's like an evening sacrifice. So what am I doing? I'm offering my raised hands. So what's being offered is a part of worship. Who offers it is the priest. They offered it. How many of you know when you lift your hands, you are the priest? For we are a kingdom of priests. And how many of you know the third thing is not only what's offered and who offers it, but whom it's offered to? It's offered to God. How many of you know there are some people that would, would offer worship and all kind of sacri sacrifices to things that are not the true and living God? But those three elements are always present in worship. What's being offered, who's offering it, and to whom it's offered. Now I want you to see this because at his birth they were declaring he is all three. <laughs> he is the sacrifice. He is the priest who brings it and he is the God who receives it. So you say, Bishop, what does that mean to me and you? Here's what that means to you and I. That means when it comes to truly having a relationship with God, it ain't got anything to do with what I do. It hadn't got to do with me wearing a certain hairstyle. It hadn't got to do anything with me wearing a tie or not wearing a tie. It doesn't have anything to do with what church I attend or don't attend or what songs I sing or don't sing. He said, I'm, you'll mess this up, so I'm gonna, not going to let you get involved at all. I'm going to be the sacrifice. I'm I'm going to be the priest and I'm going to be on the other end receiving it so that the redemption plan can be complete in me. I will be your frankincense so that when grace shows up, all you'll have is the aroma of good news that lets you know the veil has been rent and entrance has been made into the presence of a living God. Is anybody glad today? He did it for you. He did it for you. Oh, I want to run around the building. I'm so glad I don't have to cross my T's and dot my I's. It is not by works of the flesh that I've been born again. He did it for me. Lastly, lastly, listen. Gold, frankincense. Come on, Ashley. Myrrh. Listen to me. Myrrh was used as a pain reliever. And it was used as a salve for wounds. 
It had healing agencies in it. It relieved pain. It was salve for wounds. Watch this. At his, at his young child age, when wise men brought him myrrh, he received it. But 33 years later, hanging on a cross, some other worshipers came to bring him myrrh, and he refused it. Why would he take it at his birth and then refuse it at the cross? Because in his life, his ministry was about releasing pain. For I've been anointed to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that abound, to pour in the oil that restores. I've been come to put people back together. I'm opening blinded eyes. I'm releasing prison doors. So in my life, I'll receive the pain reliever because I've come to demonstrate to you who I am and let you know when you're hurting, I'll be a way that takes the pain out of your suffering. When you're bleeding, I'll be the salve that close up your wounds. When you feel like you're dying, I'll let you know I'm able to give you my life. So in my life of ministry I will receive the myrrh but while I'm on the cross I am here to take your pain and to take your brokenness and to take your suffering so I won't let them numb me while I'm bearing the weight of your penalty and while I'm bearing the weight of sin of the world I'm going to say I will take it I was wounded for your transgressions and I was bruised for your iniquity and the chastisement of your peace was upon me and I won't let them numb me because I came to be yours. Come on, will you get on your feet and thank him? Oh, my God. 
both hands and just declare his worthiness. wise men and wise women. Wise people are guided by something other than themselves. They look up. We're in an Advent season and the writer of Matthew said this, when you see the earth trembling, chaos, lift up your eyes. Your Redeemer is coming closer. I believe today, if your world is shaken, 
and in chaos. The answer today is lift up your eyes. Your Redeemer is coming to you. Your Redeemer lives. Wise men and women are governed by worship. What has your devotion? It's got to be something more than your job, your vacation. You got to live for something more than a paycheck, an evening with friends. What has your devotion? Wise people are moved by generosity. What gets your treasure is an indicator of what has your heart. For Jesus said, wherever a man's treasure is, that's where his heart will be also. it's easy for some people to walk away from their commitment to God because they've never opened their treasure box towards Him. I'm going to pray today. My prayer is, is that in this holiday season you'll really know who this child is. He's a king. He's a priest. He is the sacrifice. If you're in this room today and you say, Bishop, I really need to impart some of that wisdom into my life. Because the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you put God back in his rightful place, wisdom begins to come to your life. When I didn't pay attention to God, I played the fool. But when I put God back in his rightful place, wisdom began to come. I get to three all over this building. If you're in this room, you say, Bishop, that's me. I need some of that wisdom in my life today. I need to learn to be guided. I need to be governed. I need to be moved to generosity because I want to be a wise man. I want to be a wise woman. When I get to three, just lift your hand wherever you are. One two, three hands go up all over this room. God knows exactly why you're holding it up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for people all over this room that have their hands lifted. I pray that the fear of the Lord would begin wisdom in their life. And that like men who made a journey, they would go on a journey starting today to find you in ways they've never found you before. And I pray, Lord, that you will guide their lives I pray that they'll give up the right to lead themselves and they'll let you lead their life. I pray today that their life will be governed by their worship. That whatever they tie their devotion to is worthy of that devotion. And I pray that, Lord, out of the abundance of their worship, they'd be moved to open their treasure boxes. Let Jesus reign big in and through their life. We thank you for it today. And we bless your name. 
in Jesus' name. If you're grateful, three different gifts bear witness to something that changed our life. If you're grateful for that today, would you just give him a praise all over this building? I'm so privileged, Kathy, and I get to do life with this bunch right here. And uh, I want to say again, thank you so much for your kindness to us, your generosity to us, giving your lives to believe that what God's doing in and through us is worth your effort. I don't know of anything that we'd rather do than be in Oklahoma City leading the gay church. It's the passion of my life. It's the passion of my life. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for an incredible team. We have an incredible team of pastors. Would you let all of our team know this Christmas you appreciate them? They're incredible. They're incredible. But from our house to yours, I trust I get to see you tomorrow night, but we'll all be in a hurry, I'm sure, when it's over. But from our house to yours, we trust and believe that you'll have a merry, merry Christmas. And 2019 is going to be even more than you expected. Because he's going to show up bigger than you thought he's going to show up. We love you. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he lift his countenance upon you. May he shine his grace and favor on you in all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'll see you tomorrow night at 5. Merry Christmas. God bless.